either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Don't look now, but it's Oscar season, and you bet we'll be talking about some nominations and some snubs, but you can guess, and some Oscar nominees this week. Welcome in. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. We're from MadWolf.com, and we'll start off with one of those Oscar nominees getting a wider release this week. Uh, the Commandant of Auschwitz, Rudolf Haas, and his wife Hedwig strive to build a dream life for their family in a house and garden right next to the camp. This is the zone of interest. So this one is up for a, a host of mm-hmm. Oscars this year, including Best Picture, also Best Director for Jonathan Glazer, and he also co-wrote, co-adapted the screenplay, and that is up for adapted screenplay as well. Now, the the lead actress here, Sandra Huller, she's up for Best Actress, but for the her other big movie this year, Anatomy for, of a Fall. Although she could easily have been nominated exactly. for this. In fact, I think this was the one people thought was the frontrunner for her Although the other one really is more of a lead performance. It is. But it anyway, is. we're splitting hairs here. A lot of Oscar Oscar contention for this movie, and rightfully so. But it's not it, it's not a pleasant watch. No. It's, as you said this morning on, on TV, it's a tough watch, but man, it's so compelling. It's so compelling. I do want to take just take a step back and talk about Jonathan Glazer for a second, because he makes a movie like, I don't know, every eight years know, or something, and each one of them is so different from the last one and is so amazing. So... Look up everything he's done. Sexy Beast, Birth. Birth, uh, Under the Skin. Under the Skin. And then, of course, this one. And this one is um, the first one that's not an English language film. Uh, it is in German. And I think the look of it is one of the things that most impressed me because even though the whole film is is set inside this fairly mundane drama within this family, um, usually, especially in the outdoors, they're sort of dwarfed by the it's it's like it's a big wide shot so that you can forever see the wall behind them and behind the wall looming over it the ovens yes of Auschwitz i mean it's and that's the thing it's such a remarkable chilling devastating look at the banality of evil especially because so much of it is in the bright daylight yeah. and they're in the garden and they're playing with the children or or whatever and then you see, and sometimes, you know, it starts out maybe a little muted, and mm-hmm. then the architecture of the camp gets bigger mm-hmm. and bigger and looming and looming. And it is it is just chilling as they are so comfortable, just worried about their little pleasures and, and uh, you know, everything that makes their home so comfortable. And, they, you know, and, and in very sort of um, uh, subtle ways, you know, they have a shot in the trailer of the girls, the, the, the two of the daughters, reading over like the guest book where all of these people just say lovely things about having visited they have parties in their in their um uh their garden all the time no one no one is bothered by the sight and sounds of of Auschwitz right on the other side of the wall not only that but the the family and the extended family like the grandmother they're just they're they're picking through the possessions oh, yeah. that were taken from these Jewish people. It's, like they just found these bargains at a garage sale oh, or yeah. something. It's, yeah, and it's just how comfortable they are with it is just it's increasingly chilling. Of course, especially when you know they have servants in the house yeah. and uh, Sandra Huller's character. 
you know, reminds the servant in no uncertain terms that she could easily just be killed. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's ugh. it is it's a stunning it's a stunning film for its uh, just low key. Yeah. Evil. I yeah. mean, I, I'd like to think of a different word for it, but that's really just yeah, what it just depicts. Just how easily comfortable mm-hmm. people can just get or, or around evil and let it just become just part of their normal daily lives. Now, I did look in. This is adapted from a book, and it's very interesting because I did look up the book, and I, we haven't read it, but I read about it. And, boy, adapting is right. Yeah. Glazer boiled this down to its very essence because there's a real narrative taking place in the book that does not happen in the movie no. whatsoever. No, the plot is is not. I mean, the, the plot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it boils it down just to its es- essence. But uh, boy, that essence is something else. It reminded me of other movies that sort of uh, get in the same ballpark. You know, the White Ribbon always comes yeah, to mind. Yeah. Also with the with the wall and with the architecture, it reminded me of a movie. Uh, several years ago called The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Right, I thought with, of that as well. Yeah, where it, that was mainly the smoke mm-hmm. and the, the woman, Vera Farmiga, I believe, played her mm-hmm. in the house. They were a little farther away and she tried to ignore the smoke and finally she, she could not. So uh, this But one, she had she had an, at least some semblance she, of a conscience. She, some the, semblance, yes. The the absolute lack of conscience is it, it was amazing. stunning because the, the drama within the family is that he, the commandant, has been so successful at Auschwitz that they're looking at promoting him, and he doesn't want to go because he knows Hedwig won't leave this paradise that right. she's created on Earth. It's it's a stunning... It is, and then it makes a shift toward the end, um, which we won't spoil, but uh, it's even more chilling. Yeah. We've got to keep going back yeah. to the same word, yeah. but boy, really drives the point home. So as you can imagine, it is not... A feel-good movie at no, all, but it's God. a necessary movie. I would say, and it's say. brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliantly done and uh, and adapted, like 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 we've said. When you can take a book like that and and just bring your own vision to it, boil it down to its essence, and um, and I'm sure I'm sure it's a great book. So it's not spoiling the book. It's just taking a different adaptation of it and uh, just. Just fascinating and an incredibly chilling and somber, but so well done. All the performances. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the performances are great. And that is getting a wider rollout now, especially after these Oscar nominations. And it is called The Zone of Interest. Highly recommended. Next up is a quiet thriller an assassin on an assignment in Fuerteventura to kill a man he has never met. When his target is delayed, he finds himself drawn to the island, the people, and a ghostly. Shipwreck. This is called American Star. They say there are three sorts of people in Fuerteventura. Those who live here, tourists, and those who are running from something. I don't live here. And you don't look like a tourist. Someone turned up. What kind of intelligence? Rule number one, the less you know about the target, the better. I've been told to stay on the island. I work alone. Think of me as the wind beneath your wings. The reason of her interest in you is that you remind her of her father. What are you doing? Rita, he knows the target. You know, the one you're involved with. I'm not involved with anybody. Don't lie to me! Rule number one! Ah! Let's go! I don't need no one! I'll finish this job. Ian McShane. Ian McShane. He's also a producer here, nice. so obviously drawn to the uh, material. And he's great uh, in this type of character. And it's it's really surprising to me, actually, what why how, how wide of a release this is getting. 
it's such a, a, a quiet, introspective type of movie where you really the action doesn't get going until the third act. I mean, it's very much a character study, but it's well done and well acted. Uh, the writer is Nacho Ferna and the director Gonzalo Lopez Gallego. And uh, yeah, Ian McShane uh, plays this assassin, and he's come to this coastal island uh, off of Spain, but his target is not there yet. Uh, so he has to just lay low and take sort of advantage of the scenery. He's, he's hanging out, at, he's staying at this swanky hotel, and he starts to meet some people, including a little boy at the hotel and this local bartender who he, he starts. Uh, not, nothing romantic, but they go places together. They both say they like to meet people, uh, and they go to this shipwreck called the American Star that Wilson, Ian McShane's character, is sort of fascinated by. And it's a weird story. That's It's like half a ship. And she describes what happened to get half of this ship grounded just off the beach there. And he wants to go see it. So they take this day trip. Uh, and it becomes very symbolic, as you might imagine, uh, because we've seen these types of stories before about aging assassins, you know, looking back on their life and maybe trying to find some retribution or grappling with the wages of what they've done all these years. And he's a former military man. Uh, uh, fought in the Falkland Islands War, and that comes into it too. So while he's waiting and starts meeting uh, more of these these locals, then he finds out that his his nephew, who's also in the <clears throat> family business, uh, shows up, and that strikes a little bit of suspicion in Wilson. He's like, "Are you checking up on me? What's going on? Just to make sure that you know, are you tailing me? And who's are somebody being double crossed?" So that's a, how it's uh, how it continues. As as you might guess, some of the people that he meets in the town are maybe close to his target and let's let's, let's just leave it at that as things uh, as things progress. So yeah, it is it takes its time, it's quiet, it's very scenic, it's very well done. Um some of the some of the dialogue isn't the greatest, but it's something about it and Ian McShane is a big a big help with that. It just mm-hmm. compels you. And like, hmm, interesting. Yes, we've seen some of these beats before. But um, the the characterizations and the, the performances do make it compelling. And even though the symbolism sometimes is a little heavy, I'd still say it's worth a watch. Again, I'm, I'm sort of surprised it's getting so many uh, big screen showings. But, hey, I'm all for that. Yep. Anytime you can see something on the big screen, uh, go for it. Because it does have some good scenery as well. So, yeah, it's an, it's an effective, quiet character study thriller. And if that interests you, yeah, check it out. It is called American Star in theaters this weekend. Got a stunning documentary up next. Anselm Kiefer is one of the greatest contemporary artists. His past and present diffuse the line between film and painting, thus giving a unique cinematic experience that dives deep into an artist's work and reveals his life path. This is the latest from director Wim Wenders. It's called Anselm. Without the help of architects or engineers, Kiefer and his assistants have turned this 200-acre site into one of the most dazzling, jaw-dropping works of art in the world. Here, he expanded into sculpture and installation. He began to create a world for himself. The German nation has trouble dealing with an artist who wants to grapple with the past of Germany. The greatest mythos is the man selbst. A couple years ago, he did, uh, Wenders did a, a 3D documentary on Pina Bausch, the, um, the uh, uh, dancer, dancer mm-hmm. choreographer. And it was an amazing thing to watch in 3D 
uh, because it's dance and you just felt so surrounded by it. Um, and, you know, I didn't know anything about Anselm Kiefer prior to watching this movie, but his art seems such a perfect avenue for 3D filmmaking because it's so big. This is an amazing visual experience. Wenders, not just uh, 3D, but 6K. Mm-hmm. You've got to see this on the big screen. Oh, it is do. amazing. Just from those opening minutes when yeah. you realize, oh my God, the scale yeah. of these. And, you know, and it mentioned painting in the synopsis. This is a lot of sculpture, really. Oh, yeah. And uh, an installation, an mm-hmm. art installation. Mm-hmm. It is fascinating. Even if you don't, and I said this in my written review, if you don't know Kiefer from Sutherland, it's still <laughs> worth it, especially if you're any sort of an, uh, have any sort of an interest in art and artists. It is just fascinating because not only do you see the art and the wonder of that and how he's he just continues to work at his advanced age, but it also, it's not a complete biography of his life, but it does give you an overview of how he has been for the last several decades, a, a provocateur mm-hmm. his and his mission. That's what it's focused on, the art what art can represent, and this one man's mission. Uh, and that is, as a German artist, his his uh, goal is to let art stand as what he calls a protest against forgetting. Yep. And more specifically, about the pains, like we were just talking about, and that yep. other, the, the pains of German history. And he's done that his entire career and continues to do it. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it's thrilling. It lets you know about how how meaningful this artist is and how meaningful art can be mm-hmm. as a way of marking time, marking history. Um, and some of his works are just, they're just incredible. Oh, it's and just breathtaking. It is. the way And the way it's filmed and wonders, much like Pina. Yeah. Because Pina was just visually incredible. Yeah. This one is too. You've got to, got to see it on the big screen. It just won't get justice done to it if you well, don't. Well, it won't be 3D if you don't. That's so. true. <laughs> That's a big one. But the 6K resolution, of course, is also something. But just, I'm telling you, those first few minutes yeah. when, because you, you you go into this studio and you think, okay, but then the camera pulls back to reveal the scale yeah. and you're like, holy yeah. crap. Yeah. Um, it is. It's it's just amazing. And it's a great big screen experience. And I, I think one of the best, this it didn't get Oscar nominated. I don't know if it qualified. It came in too late, whatever. But this was one of my favorite documentaries of last year for oh, yeah. sure. Absolutely. And and we're lucky. It's at an art center this weekend, the Wexner Center for the Arts. But it is getting a bigger rollout next weekend. So yes. if it's if you don't see it any place this weekend, check again next weekend because you may find some place that is carrying it then. Yes, yeah, such an experience. Ladies from Wim Wenders. And it's called Anselm. That's A-N-S-E-L-M. Very good. Let's stay in the theaters for historical crime drama. In Chile in 1901, three horsemen are paid to protect a vast estate. Accompanying a British soldier and an American mercenary is a mixed-race sniper who realizes that his true mission is to kill the indigenous population. This is called The Settlers. Them Indians, you have no idea how much they dislike outsiders roaming their lands. These are their lungs. Don't like these mints. You're doing everything wrong, Lieutenant. Ever since you brought down Half-Breed along. This is a just vis- another visually stunning film. Um, and it and it and it's it's tonal shifts are very interesting 
you know, for a very long time, it's got that kind of neo-Western style to it. Mm-hmm. You get these really vast images of, of an empty Chilean, Chilean landscape and these three small, you know, figures on horseback. And it gives you a sense of the history, you know, uh, on just one man's property. They, they travel for three days on horseback across Chile and then into Argentina. And this man still owns that land. Mm. And allegedly what they're doing is looking for a path to the ocean for his sheep. But in fact, what they're doing, and this is based absolutely in historical accuracy, they are trying to, there are, there's, it's genocide mm-hmm. that they are out to, they are set out to eliminate all of the indigenous people um, on this land. You know, it reminded me uh, at certain times of Jennifer Kent's film, The Nightingale. Yeah. Um, which also it's telling uh, it's telling the story of this one woman's revenge, but what it's really telling is a bigger picture of colonialism in Australia, and that's really what this is. And it's one of the things that I think is unsettling about this film is how universal these themes are: colonialism in, in all of its ugliness. And and in this one, you know, it's also got it's that sort of Western sensibility. It's actually just three men, and they themselves really face danger when they run into different other groups who happen to be on this property, including a group of other Englishmen who are on the property and what goes on there is wild. Um, but it's the tonal shifts that I found um, very intriguing and and well handled in this as you start off in these very sort of big, giant vista landscapes. And then it narrows and narrows by the third act. You're It's almost a chamber piece. You're inside these people's homes, the the rich people and, mm-hmm. and the politicians. And 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 then what it does is show you how this hideous bloody history of a nation becomes sanitized and turned into documented heroism to make the history of a country seem better. Well, wow, we have we have a theme this week, yes, it we seems. Do. And boy, can you stop and wonder, why are we seeing so many of these movies right now? Hmm, I yeah, wonder. Right. But uh, yeah, tonal shifts that you talk about, that can be tricky. Because we, we, I'm sure you, you look back on a lot of these podcasts, and we mention tonal shifts a lot of times as a negative. Yeah, we cringe. And it just doesn't no. doesn't work. But here, I mean, it can work. And the uh, the co-writer and director is Felipe Galvez Haberle, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. But you you can skillfully make a tonal shift. Oh, yeah, shift. absolutely. Yeah, it can be done. It's done here. Yeah, and the, all three of the performances, uh, well, really there's four. At about the halfway mark, they pick up a fourth character, and she's the one in the end. She the, she has the last scene in the film, and like the entire history of the world is written on her face. And but but all four of the, all of the performances, the entire film, it's it's it, they're really really good. Yeah, this is another good one, another recommendation in theaters this week, and it's called The Settlers. Let's go to VOD next for a thriller, a favorite of ours. Melina wakes up disoriented in the trunk of a speeding car and discovers to her horror that she is missing more than her memory. With her mobile phone as the only link to the outside world, she wages a desperate battle for survival. This is called Trunk, colon, Locked In. When we saw this first, it was just called Trunk. Right. And it was at the Nightmares Film Festival. And and I think it won Best Thriller. And it is, I'm sure it did, actually. It did. It, it did. We are lucky enough to be that we're the lead thriller judges for Nightmares Film Festival. And we jumped on this one when it came oh, yeah. in. So we go back a ways with this one. And uh, with the uh, director, Mark Schaefer. Uh, this is a German film. It's really well done. And yes, I was it is. so glad because when we, we picked it, 
and it made the the roster at Nightmares Film Festival. I, you know, we thought to ourselves, this is going to be a crowd pleaser, and it was. Yes, I mean, I kept was. telling people, come see this, mm-hmm, come see this. Mm-hmm. It really is because it delivers the thrills. It's constructed well, and it's got a nice crowd pleasing ending. Yeah. And you know, and uh, Schaefer here, the writer director, is a triple threat. He also does the editing, and there's some oh yeah, great, that's really impressive. Great yeah, editing yeah. here because you've got this. It's pretty easy synopsis to understand. She wakes up. She's in. The trunk of a car. And the first thing to me that, that caught my attention was you expect when she gets her phone, it's going to be dead. It's not. No. She's got plenty of power. I'm like, oh, okay, we're, we're going off in different directions here. I like it. Now, of course, as it goes on, it starts losing power. But usually when that happens, you see it, it's dead. Yeah. And the the camera work, you know, not a, it's claustrophobic, but it manages those camera angles. I'm thinking of a movie, and I think it was from earlier last year or maybe the year before, uh, the, one of the latest from Liam Neeson, uh, Retribution. I think yeah. it was all set in a car. Yes. What they tried to do is what Schaefer is able to do with this, mm-hmm. with the camera angles and the inventive looks uh, to get inside the car, maybe right outside the car and points of view. Very, very effective in the direction and in the editing as well. And also a big uh, shout out to uh, Sina Martins, who plays the lead role. This is a physically demanding role. She gets beat up <laughs> and she handles it very well. And it just, man, it just grips your attention from the beginning with this this premise that you you think you know well, but there are just little changes here and there. She tries to piece together who's involved, why has she been taken like this, what's going on, and then it leads up to a yeah a satisfying climax. So this is one to check out. Yeah, again, when we when we first came upon it, it was called Trunk. But if you're looking for it now, and it is on Prime uh, starting this weekend, it's called Trunk colon locked in and uh if you like thrillers i think you are gonna really like this one so uh, check it out it's on vod now let's stay with vod for another horror thriller a man finds himself trapped but this time it's in a desert canyon with a woman living off grid who is captive to a pack of sadistic boys this is called the seeding mother said we live in the desert but out there lives the mirage. Tell me what's going on. Here's all sand, stone, body of flesh. No mirage, all very real. Hey! Hey, yeah! There's strays. I'm stuck down here! Do something, please! Get pull you out! Hey! What are you doing? What did they do to you? You live in a hell, woman, held hostage by children. <laughs> Help me! I can take care of you. Stop. I want my life back. Get me out of here! What do they want? So this movie starts off in one direction. You've got a guy. He drives by himself way out into the uh, desert of the American Northwest to... Take a picture of a solar eclipse, and then uh, he kind of gets lost trying to find his way back to his car, and he notices a house. He hears somebody sort of humming. He notices a house down in this gorge, and he climbs down a rope ladder to go in and see if she can help him out. And she's kind of mysterious and weird, and he's not really sure what's going on, but the next thing you know, as he tries to leave the gorge, that rope ladder is gone. 
What does that sound like to you, George? Well, it sounds like a movie I saw in uh, film class when I was a youngster at Ohio State called The Woman in the Dunes. Yes. And I was going to say that if he went down that rope ladder, he's never seen The Woman in the Dunes <laughs> because they're going to take that rope ladder away. And then, of course, The Woman in the Dunes, which was nominated for an Oscar, I think it was the first foreign language film ever to get nominated for Best Picture. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Um, I looked it up. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's the townspeople, and they, they lead him there, and then they take take the, the, the ladder away. In this case, it definitely takes much more of a horror film turn. It's it's almost like, you know, uh, kind of a, the hills have eyes, right? It's these feral boys who live in the desert, and they... You know, they do weird things and they dress strangely and they, you know, they're they're just not good kids. Yeah, and that they, is not where uh, the woman in the dunes goes oh, at no, all. So no. it t- goes off on its own. Absolutely, yeah. it does. But and, but it's still I think it, it, it skirts a lot of the same existential dread where he just has to at some point accept the fact that this is his life now. And this enigmatic woman, she clearly already this is her life. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have any qualms about it. Um, I think that uh, but it's not. It's not the film is not really happy to sort of remain there. It has to spice things up with horror. And that doesn't always work to its benefit. Although, you know, it's mainly you're just spend a lot of time alone with these two actors. Scott Hayes. He's done a lot of horror. He was in uh, What Josiah Saw. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And then, yeah, Caitlin Shields, she's also done a lot of horror. Um, and she, they're, they're both very good. And they they play their roles well. She in particular because it's a much more sort of introverted, mysterious character. And she's kind of weary and you know she doesn't ever just sit him down and explain anything because it doesn't benefit her to sit him down and explain anything and so I think that that their um relationship and their sort of um chemistry help the movie do as well as it does I don't think that the horror elements really benefit the film very much to be honest with you um and and in the end I think that's a little bit of a frustrating moment but there's still something primally unsettling about that concept about just being trapped down in a you know, yeah. just that's it. This is your life now, and mm-hmm. you have to make peace with it. And and so it does still kind of pack a punch. And that is on VOD now. It's called The Seeding. And also on Prime, on VOD this week, a crime thriller. Two undocumented immigrants take the simple job of digging a hole in the desert, but when their employers turn out to be psychopaths, staying alive will become the most complex job of their lives. This is called Bad Hombres. You don't look so great. What did you do, man? We got a job from a couple of guys at the hardware store. They were connected. I don't really care. I do not have another car. I do have a 1972 Chevrolet Camaro. You do a job with a dude. It goes south. Dump him. He says he's going to get deported. You say you're going to wipe your slate clean. One phone call, and they'll tell me exactly where this picture was taken. They're gonna demand blood. You're gonna let him go. You're real. The God Killer. Bad Hombres. I think I have that album by ZZ Top. <laughs> I'm thinking early 70s. This, this was uh, reviewed by Brandon Thomas for uh, MadWolf.com. He loved it. He was delighted. Delighted. You know, it's one of those actioners that goes direct to streaming and you don't have very high expectations. And yet, you know, it, it winds up being kind of a, a, a neo-Western thriller that delivers the goods. Part of that is because um, 
Luke Hemsworth, or Hemsworth the Lesser, gets a chance to is get... Is he the re- third? How many are there? Yes, there's three, and he's okay, the third he's one. Okay, he's the third. All yes, right. Yes, he is. He's the third one. I, I don't know if he's the youngest. I just mean he's... He's kind of third in line of famous, I think. <laughs> to I don't the know. throne? Yeah. He's third in line to the Hemsworth throne. They're going uh, to battle the scars guards right here before we, <laughs> for supremacy. And also Thomas Jane. Yeah. And Hemke Madeira, who plays kind of a more, the more sort of mysterious of the two um, workers, uh, he has a great, a great performance in this movie. But the, I think part of it, the fun of this movie is that every actor gets a chance to sort of Break out a little bit. And Diego Tinoco is uh, the other lead. Also, you see Tyrese Gibson, Nick Cassavetes pops up as well. So, uh, yeah, if you like this sort of stuff, this neo-Western, and I, I know Brandon does. Yes. So it's kind of uh, perfect for him. But, yeah, check out his uh, full review. You can find that at madwolf.com. But a uh, recommendation for Bad Hombres from director and co-writer John Stahlberg Jr. It is on VOD now. And one more, also on Prime. Uh, Among the trees, young women and men working the summer harvest develop new feelings, flirt, try to understand each other, and find and flee deeper connections. It's called Under the Fig Trees. Christy Robb reviewed this Tunisian film for us at MadWolf.com. Another big recommendation. Yeah, this is co-writer and director Arige Sahiri. Hope I pronounced that one right. Yeah, she uh, she found this to be very, very effective. And a study, it's sort of the the older workers looking at the younger workers and you know the life that they have ahead of them, and maybe they're trying to find a different life, and the odds are against them. Yeah, and it's it's kind of a, a day in the life sort of a yeah, film, yeah. not really heavily plotted, absolutely beautiful to look at, and uh, Christy was completely absorbed by it. Right, and you can check out her full review at MadWolf.com, but another recommendation for this one uh, streaming now called Under the Fig Trees. Okay, before we head to the lobby, yeah, big big week this past week with the Oscar nominations, and uh, we'll just get in line with the ones that uh, take Understandable umbrage with the exclusion of Greta Gerwig for Best Director. I find that stupefying. I agree with you. And it's um, and, and there are very specific reasons that we find it stupefying. Mm-hmm. And uh, as much as we think all five of the films nominated for Best Director are really well-directed films. We're not slighting any of them. Barbie is such a director's film yes the 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 visual of it the 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 look of the film the and vision ev- yeah the just the, i mean the vision of it is is stunning but one of the other things uh i mean all of the sort of playful choices that she made i you know i, I wonder if people recognize how uh, that's all her yeah it is it's amazing and we wrote a whole whole blog about it as we do every year once the oscar no- nominations come out and i will say this year this year seems especially stacked. I mean, so many categories are just full of so deserving nominees. And when you say, for us anyway, when you say somebody got snubbed, then we say, okay, then who who would you put them in? Yeah. Who would you now? And and that can be a tough one sometimes. Did, yeah. uh, but you you definitely, or we find them as we always do on our uh, on our blog about this. And for 
for best director, case in point, even though, like you say, all these all these nominees are great. The the two that we would remove are for uh, Anatomy of a Fall and The Zone of Interest. Now we just got saying got done saying how great of a movie The Zone of Interest. Yeah, is. Anatomy of a Fall as well. Yes, they are. But, but as far as a director's yeah, vision, you yeah. got to split hairs yeah. and come up with five, which is really tough. Because I just I also just want to say the tone. The I tone oh, of Barbie I agree. was such a tightrope. It's playful, but it's not, it's fearless as well. Yeah. It's uh, I I just can't get over it. Can't get over it. So we would put Greta Gerwig in there for sure. And also Bradley Cooper, yeah. I don't think, is getting enough love for the director, the, the directing vision of Maestro. Yeah. How that is assembled right from the opening scene, the opening camera work. Incredible. And then not to slight Anatomy of a Fall or Zone of Interest, but I think when you're splitting hairs... Those are maybe more driven by the writing and by the performances. Not that the directing is bad, it's not. But man, when you come down to splitting hairs for these five, that's that's where we would go. But yep. especially with Greta Gerwig, that is egregious. Yes, just egregious. Uh, and by the way, congratulations though for Greta Gerwig got the uh, the nomination along with uh, Noah Baumbach for screenplay, right? And then of course America Ferrara for best supporting actress, yeah. well deserved. And, and Ryan Gosling and Ryan Gosling su- and and honestly and Margot Robbie as well because the film is nominated for best picture right. and. She She's the producer, so that is hers. Right, exactly. So congratulations to them, but yeah, can't um, imagine how she got left out of that. But the rest of the nominations, I think, overall, a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, There's a couple that, you know, we would have loved to have seen both uh, Godzilla Minus One and The Color Purple in Best Picture. But they're they're the 10 solid solid, um, nominees. Best Actor, solid nominees. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think right now, even though... We, I think, would both give it to uh, Killian Murphy. I think Paul Giamatti's going to win. I really do. And, you know, and I, I would. You're right. Give it to Killian Murphy. But I, it, I would be hard-pressed to be unhappy for Paul Giamatti to win it. Oh, he was I magnificent he in was. that movie. And, also, and he's like, so great. He should have three or four. I know. <laughs> Best Actress is solid, too. We would have loved to have seen both Margot Robbie and, I think, Fantasia from The Color Purple. Man. She was great. Uh, Best Supporting Actors, all great. Uh, Best Supporting Actress, they are all great. Uh, We talked about director. Uh, So, you know, overall, these are pretty, it's a pretty good list, but just those couple of, and really one major, major miss. We're like, what? How can that be? Just how can that be? But, uh, you know, Barbie is is up in the other other categories, and, and we'll see what happens come March, I think, 10th. Uh, but if you want to get our full thoughts, we've got the whole blog about it up at MadWolf.com. Okay, so let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. It's lobby time. Check it in with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, for the studio comings and goings and reschedulings and postponements. What do we got? Well, uh, Shudder has announced a February 9th premiere for their new ghost movie, Skeletons in the Closet. And then the dystopian thriller History of Evil will premiere on Shudder on February 23rd. And then moving into spring, Lionsgate has set an April 26th theatrical release for Boy Kills World, which is a violent action thriller starring Bill Skarsgård, Jessica Roth, Yayan Rahian, and Andrew Kochi. So that might be fun. Yeah. And then Sony has moved up the theatrical release of their horror film Horror, horror Scope. I'm not sure how we made it 100 years without using that title yet, but right. here we are. <laughs> uh, that will now arrive a month and a half earlier on May 10th. So getting it out of the busy June lineup. And then Lionsgate has set a May 17th release for their Strangers remake titled The Strangers Chapter 1. 
It's directed by Rennie Harlan, who shot not one, but three new Strangers movies back-to-back. All of them are supposed to see theatric release this year. I am skeptical about this. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep an open mind. You yeah. never know. Never know. Uh, Netflix will premiere Richard Linklater's action comedy Hitman on June 7th. Can we just pause for a second? That is such Mm -hmm. a weird phrase. Richard Linklater's action comedy. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, apparently the logline is you've got Glenn Powell, and he pretends to be a hitman to get women. Okay. I don't know. Has he seen him? I'm not sure he needs to go to such lengths. Right. Probably not, but hey, maybe he has self-esteem issues. (laughs) But anyway, that'll hit Netflix on June 7th, but it is supposed to get a limited theatrical run sometime in May. And then Apple and Sony's space race drama Project Artemis will hit theaters on July 12th. That stars Scarlett Johansson and Channing Tatum. Um, with those, that pair, I would assume it's a bit comedic, but not, pos- not, not positive on that. Also attractive. A lot of attractive. Yes. <laughs> and carrying on with that, Universal has pushed back the release of Blumhouse's remake of Speak No Evil to September 13th, and that stars James McAvoy. And then Apple and Sony has set a September 20th theatrical release for Wolves, not Wolves, Wolves, which is Jude, George Clooney and Brad Pitt reuniting for an action thriller. All right. Hmm. Yeah, it's been a while. It has. And then there is a new uh, DreamWorks animation movie called The Wild Robot, set for theaters on September 20th. And I've got three more for you. Lionsgate has set a September 27th release for Saw 11. No further details about that at this time, but I would assume it'll be some sort of direct follow-up to Saw X. And then Lionsgate has Helen Mirren's uh, awards fair title, White Bird, now set for an October 4th release. It was originally supposed to come out this past fall for award season, but they pushed it after the strikes ran long. Yeah. And then closing things out is a Christmas action comedy on November 7th in theaters titled Red One, which stars Dwayne Johnson and Chris Evans, who both work for Santa Claus, who is J.K. Simmons. (laughs) Oh, J.K. Simmons. All right. Okay, now I'm in. (laughs) Perfect. All right. We can always catch up the latest news and notes with Daniel. You can find him at the Schlocketeer on the socials. Thanks again. Hey, thanks for having me. Looking ahead to next week, it's led by, well, this one looks fun, called Argyle. Mm -hmm. Scrambled. Yep, just saw that last night. Uh, One called Promised Land. Departing Seniors. I like that a lot. That's another Nightmares Film Festival alum. And another Nightmares Film Festival alum. Talk about a crowd pleaser. One coming next week called Hundreds of Beavers. Another one called Fitting In. Also, she is Conan. Mm-hmm. And Dario Argento Panico. Oh, we just lost. We just uh, watched that as well. So that's all ahead next week. What do you think about this week? Uh, let us know any of the films coming out. Or if you want to talk Oscars, we're, we're down with that. You can always find us easily uh, on Twitter or at Mad Wolf. Also uh, on uh, Facebook and Instagram and threads at Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews uh, and other fun stuff, including our other horror movie only podcast called Fright Club. That's all for you there at MadWolf.com. So enjoy the movies, enjoy the Oscar talk, and uh, be well. Hopefully, I hope you're better than, than Hope. Hope is not, you're not sounding as bad as you did last week. No. <laughs> Making I'm some improvements. Toward, inching toward health. <laughs> uh, hope you're well this week, and we'll talk again next week. And until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but... I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>